0: Oh, we got this new machine. Um, if you haven't seen it, it's behind that green thing. It, it's making copies even as we speak, right, Tina? Yeah. No. And so, uh, unprecedented living, we're going to talk about abundance. And um, abundance, um, as in life, more abundant. So if you want to turn to John 10.10, last week we spoke about... Um, The Appearance of Melchizedek, Uh, you can get those CDs from uh, Tino later, but today we talk about Life More Abundant, John 10.10, John 10.10, and we'll probably be doing this again, we'll be continuing on Abundance next week, because Abundance applies to different areas of our life, so uh, today we take one aspect of Abundance, John 10.10. Uh, and here's what it says I know this is a very famous scripture uh, it says in John 10.10 that the thief comes to thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy I have come that they may have life and some versions say life more abundant NIV says have it to the full I'm going to go with the uh, New King James which says he and he came so that they may have life and have it have life more mm-hmm. abundant now the this life uh, more abundant basically means life that is excessive, life that is overflowing, life that is surplus. That is the sense it carries. Life more abundant carries the sense of excessive, overflowing, beyond measure, surplus. That's what it means. So th- what Jesus is saying is, guys, I'm coming to give you life and life more abundant. Uh, What it denotes is that I'm not coming just to give you the essentials of life, not just the essentials of life, but um, I'm going to super add blessings to it. I'm going to super add in a way that will bless. I'm going to super add in a way that will bless. So it's not just the essentials. I'm going to super add in a way that will bless. So that's the whole idea. So when Jesus says, I have come to give you life and life more abundant. What he's saying is, Jacob, I've come to give you life, yes. But not just the essentials. I'm going to give you excessive, overflowing surplus superadded life that's what he's saying and we got to understand that this is the kind of life he's offering folks because very often as is the case with anything that is supernatural or excessive theologians have um, um, chiseled it down to um, abundant life being some abundant life being life in eternity that's what it's been chiseled down to so if you ask most theologians or Many professors in college, they'll tell you, oh, what he meant by life more abundant is, he has given us eternal life, and that is life more abundant. We cannot separate life into compartments like that. If you notice, in Genesis chapter um, 2, verse 9, God says to Adam and Eve, he says, guys, I've given you all these trees, and in the center of the garden were two trees. One was a tree of life, and one was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And very clearly in Genesis 2:17, God says to Adam, you can eat of all of the trees. And that included the tree of life. The only tree they were not supposed to eat of was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But they were supposed to participate in the eating of the tree of life. In Revelation 22, verses 2, we find that the tree of life was both life-giving and was both something that applied to the health of the person because it, its leaves are for the healing of the nations. Adam was supposed to participate in the tree of life while he lived here on earth. We do not divide abundant life into something that happens in eternity as separate from something that happens on earth. Life, Zoe, is continuous. What changes is this mortal body, folks. That's all that's changing. My soul and my body will instantly be changed. My soul is already in the place of transformation. My body is what changes completely. But life cannot be compartmentalized like that. Therefore, abundant life is something that has already begun and will continue. Even if you take the context of John 10.10, it says Satan comes to steal, kill and destroy. What? Definitely not eternal life because Jesus very clearly said that do not be afraid of him who can kill the body, but be afraid of the one who can uh, decide the destiny of your soul and that's not satan that's god so if satan jesus is saying satan comes to steal and kill and destroy life but i come to give life and life more abundant even in the context of that sentence we are talking about life here on earth that satan tries to steal kill and destroy with the intent of causing you to squander away your eternal destiny and jesus is saying no 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 i've come to give you life and life more abundant starting right now from here on even into eternity If you say so Chris No I'm just no, no I, I was being uh, sarc- uh, not sarcastic uh, what's the right word Yeah that's the word Yeah can I, can I ask, uh, a uh, If if it's not making fun of me sure Sorry. <laughs> Yeah And that, yeah, when this, when Adam sinned, he could not participate in the tree of life because now he had sin had the consequence of death. And so he was shut out. But now that that is paid, the tree of life is restored, which is why in uh, uh, Revelation chapter two, verse seven, it says those that overcome will now eat of the tree of life, which is in paradise. It's a it's a restoration of the life and life more abundant back to us, folks. And it has already begun. If I'm waiting to enjoy this life after uh, I enter into heaven, it'll be like a man who has millions of dollars who gets to enjoy it uh, a month before he dies uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a world where there will be no cash necessary. So it, it's that kind of a feeling. So uh, please understand that abundant life has already, in that sense, begun. It applies. So abundant life applies both. Abundant life we'll call it AL, Abundant Life, applies both to an overflow of eternal life that we possess, an overflow of eternal life we possess, and it applies to overflow of the quality of life quality and vitality of life here and now okay so abundant life would therefore apply to both the overflow of eternal life that we already possess so i'm not discounting it i'm just saying we can't separate it that way and It also applies to the overflow of the quality and the vitality of life here and now. It's continuous, folks. It's continuous. Any questions? Yes, we can. uh, Because um the bible says in him we live and move and have our being so and he's the life giver the bible calls him the giver of life so in that sense life existed beyond before because uh, adam was made and then he god breathed into him the breath of life and he became a living being so in that sense life uh, g- life exists because god exists in that sense yes yeah so it's continuous there's it's 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 not something that was suddenly created. Man was created but God is life. He is the life giver. So man is created yet but life was something that God is. Yeah. Any questions? Okay. So what does abundant life look like? Look like. I mean if someone came to you and say said, um, what? Do you, uh, how, how would you explain to someone? If someone came and asked you, so what does life more abundant look like? How would you explain it? Happy spiritual life? Peace? I'd say, uh, you, you're not wrong, all of you are right, but I'd say I should be able to say, that's what we should be able to do that's the whole idea of this teaching that if someone says so tell me Jacob what is abundant life <laughs> and they see it that, that should be <laughs> so that's what abundant life looks like some people have gotten very bold after coming back from Germany <laughs> Yeah, so that's what abundant life looks like. You should look like abundant life. I mean, life more abundant should be something that you and I should be able to um, uh, explain through our lives. And the question is, can I confidently do that? And uh, that's the question. Can I confidently do that? Because... I agree, Greece. I I agree, Gisela. I I I agree. But the thing is, I I do not know if um, it's one thing for uh, for me to know that it's another thing to for me to display it, and therein lies the rub. Whether I display what I know, because what I know should become like like Eddie often says, the word needs to become flesh in you, Jacob. Yeah. So. In different areas of our lives, perhaps it is evident. In other areas of lives, perhaps it's not. And that's what we'll try to break down today. So one of the things I, I, I would say is um, if you want to know what abundant life is, you can start with Romans 6, 1 to 11, where you find that in, in Romans 6, 1 to 11, you find six things revealed there that God has uh, said um, is part of your abundant life. It's only a part. In Romans 6, uh, 1 to 11, it says that I have been crucified with Christ. In Romans 6, 1 to 11, it says I died with Christ. So let me write down these six things that do make up abundant life and should be displayed in your life. Um, Have you been crucified with Christ? Let me put it that way. Have you been crucified with Christ? Second, have you died with Christ third have you been buried with Christ fourth have you been raised (laughs) with Christ five have you been quickened with the resurrection life of Christ quickened with resurrection life of Christ And sixthly, have you been seated with Christ? I'm telling you guys, if your answer to all this is a resounding yes that comes not from knowledge, but by applied knowledge, then I'm saying to you that you've already gotten a huge hang of what it is to live abundant life. Have you been crucified with Christ? If your answer to that would be yes, and I'm saying to you that my answer to that is yes, then it means that, I mean it goes back to the whole idea of Christ's life. Have you been crucified with Christ? Yes. Uh, The the Jacob my mom gave birth to, I said happy Mother's Day to her today. That man is dead. That man is dead. He's been crucified with Christ. He was put on the cross. Everything about him that was negative, defective uh, from the uh, bloodline of Adam that was sinful has been done with. Have I died with Christ? Oh, absolutely. Go look for my cadaver in Calvary. Have I been buried with Christ? Yes. My old nature is actually dead. I do not carry it on my back anymore. I do not live asking for uh, forgiveness with my knees bleeding, begging him in penance. No, 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 no. Have I been raised with Christ? Absolutely. I was quickened. And i got new life, Christ's life, and we deal with those dolls, it's made evident. i got new life, I've been, I've been quickened. Not only was I emptied of all that was negative, I've been quickened and suddenly brought back to life. What kind of life do I have? I do not have the life of Jesus of Nazareth. No, 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 I have the life of Jesus the Christ, the Son of God. Galatians 2.20 lives in me. Galatians two 2.20 has become flesh in me because I no longer live but Christ lives in me. And then I have been raised with Christ because I am seated with God in heavenly places above all powers and principalities. This is my constant location. If you go over the messages over the last three weeks, we've talked about this. How we are priest kings seated in the heavenlies. Folks, this is the... A, A, B, C of abundant life. If we don't get this, we don't have the rest of it. Uh, Then we are just saved and we don't even understand what saved is then. That's, I have come to give you life. Jesus gave life. You got saved. But I have come to give you life and then life more Abundant. abundant. We begin with this, folks. We begin with this. I just find this awesome that all these things have happened to you and I quickened means uh, I was uh, my sins were buried with him and then I was given a brand new spirit no uh, raised no uh, oh oh, sorry this should be here I, I was quickened and then I was raised with resurrection life I was given a brand new spirit and then I was completely saturated with the very spirit of Christ meaning I have Christ's life in me so it should be the other way around. I've been quickened. First, I was given a brand new spirit. I I was crucified. I died. I was buried. I was given a brand new spirit. Now, in my brand new spirit has been. I've been saturated in my brand new spirit with the spirit of Christ, which is why I'm now the resurrection life of Christ in me, and I'm seated with Christ. That's the way it works. So I would just say, I'd just say I've been quickened, meaning I've been, brought back to life I've been given a brand new spirit have been given a brand new spirit and then I have been uh, saturated with the resurrection life of Christ in my spirit that's how it works this is awesome. This has happened to all of us. It has happened to all of us, and if we begin to live here, we already have have taken up a big chunk of the abundant life pie. But it's vital that we grab this chunk. It's like a huge chunk. Any questions? Go ahead. Uh, I would ask. I would throw back another question. Uh, what do you expect to see? Uh, when you say, why don't we see abundant life? What do you expect? Okay, yeah. Yeah, so we will be dealing with each area, and like I say, if Matt was here, we'll be dealing with that, the first one in about 42 (laughs) minutes. (laughs) But uh, uh, here we are dealing with the platform or the basis for building everything else on, because abundant life uh, applies to so many areas of our lives, So many areas. And uh, what has happened is the word abundance has always been connected usually to money while abundant life stretches across every area as we begin to see it, we'll see it so that's the other thing thing many of our are and so we need to make sure that our that is set yeah because otherwise you can never build on it, man. Otherwise, even if money comes, money won't stay because it's the foundations are shaky. So, the other thing that we can talk about, abundant life. Um, the reign of God is in me and is made evident. And if it, that is true, uh, let me put it this way. There's a scripture that says that the kingdom of God is within you. And the kingdom of God is not about drinking like he is doing or eating, but it is about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's what it says. Now, the reign of God is an abundant reign, folks. Part of the abundant life of Christ in me is righteousness, peace, and joy. And someone said peace when I asked them what does abundant life look like. Folks, if abundant life is in you, then one of the things that will display or be made evident in your life is righteousness, Peace and joy. It won't be ha 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 joy, but it won't be that kind of joy either. Yeah, it won't be inner joy either. Joy will be expressed. Remember that day many months ago when suddenly Jeff started dancing all over the church. That was joy being expressed. That was or recently when uh, Chris got up and started dancing all over the place. Oh, you missed that. Uh, So, uh, joy will be expressed. It cannot be completely suppressed. Nor is it a song like, um, um, the devil doesn't like it. When we laugh, ha, ha. And then everybody goes, ha, 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 ha. No, that's not joy either. (laughs) So, we got to to know that it's somewhere in between. Yeah, it's not behavior. So, know this, that another expression of abundant life that Jesus has already given us uh, that um, is a litmus test for whether it's active in your life is am I, am I and am I, are you uh, displaying righteousness, peace and joy because of the person and the presence of the Holy Spirit in whom you are and, and He is in you too. That should be another criteria. Righteousness should be displayed in my life. Righteousness is right standing with God. How is it displayed? A right standing with God will always be displayed in right walking, right talking. I'm not talking about not using vulgar words. I'm just talking about right talking as in graciousness, lack of rudeness. We talked about this last week. Peace will be displayed in the ability to rest in the one in whom everything is finished and done and who is for me. Joy is expressed in the uh, confidence and the hope-filled expectation that I have towards life because the source of my life and the controller of my life is God. Therefore, righteousness, peace and joy work together and they've displayed in my life. And that is a very, very clear and evident sign of life more abundant. Do you see why it, uh, people do not find life more abundant than Christians? Because if these three areas are missing in a Christian's life, who has Christ in him, then what are we offering the world? They have life already. Life more abundant has to be something that is excessive, surplus, beyond m- what is the normal measure. Yeah. Strength. So that's another measure of what abundant life would look like. Uh, another thing that really uh, grabs me is Christ is the commander of my life. He's the, he's the, I know when we say king, we don't perhaps uh, connect that. But Christ is the commander of my life. And he is someone who um, it always f- forges ahead in victory. And therefore, I know that even when I fall, my nose is pointing towards victory. Christ is the commander of my life. Jesus Christ is the author and finisher of my faith. He's the captain of my destiny. He's the commander of our lives, folks. He's the commander of our lives. He does not lead in defeat. He does not lead in discouragement. He leads in hope, expectation, and victory. Finished works that already exist. He bears us up on eagles' wings, as he said to Israel... Through difficult times I bore you up on eagle's wings. That whole story of footprints and those famous pictures in the book of footprints is all about that. Commander of my life who carries me on his feet or on his back. This should be evident in my life because very often (laughs) the king who rules over your life is evident in the way you live. We talked about that last week when we talked about the four different kings. I love this next one. I live in a person whose name is I am what I am. I, Jacob, you, Acts 29, you live in a person whose name is I am what I am. Gosh, you live in Him. You don't just live following Him. You don't don't live under Him. You live in Him. He whose name is I am what I am. And even better, you just don't live in Him. You know His delights. You know His pleasure. You know His laughter. You know His thoughts. You know His intents. You know His nature. It is very... Difficult for me to be with a person who I know that intimately without some of it rubbing off on me. And given that he said he is the giver of life more abundant, it must begin to at least glisten off my skin if you want to go only skin deep. I mean, a person like Eddie who I see for uh, 14 days a year has rubbed off on me. What about this uh, person whose name is I Am What I Am, in whom we live 24 uh, 7, waking and sleeping? Surely he should rub off. You should smell of his perfume? Questions? things often said of the fishermen who roamed around with Jesus was um, they would preach and the people would say, uh, the people suddenly knew that these men had been with Jesus. Gosh, man. They just knew that these men had been with Jesus. (laughs) Folks, this is where we built from. Once we get these things right then this translates into physical emotional, relational and financial abundance this is what we build from the things we've mentioned thus far if we build from this as Anne was saying uh, if this is a platform then abundance translates into our physical, emotional, relational and financial spheres of life because like most of the things we've been discussing abundant life is a mindset folks it's a mindset it's a it's a position of strength that we operate from it's a mindset if we do not have the mindset of abundant life and i pray that you pay attention <laughs> if you do not have a mindset of abundant life then um, we will always be looking for abundance instead of knowing that we already possess it and things will come running at our heels if we do not have a mindset of abundant life, then we will always be looking for abundance instead of knowing that it is following at your at your heels. That's the difference. It's a mindset and it's a position of strength. It's this mindset that will always undo and overcome Chedo laumer Who was Chedo laumer handful of sheaves. What else What, what else do you know about Teru Lama Come on, I need some more. Poverty. Poverty. A poverty mentality. Low sights. Um, we talked about that last week. We can always beat that king in our lives if we have a mindset of life more abundant. We can always beat that king in our lives. Abundant life is a God-crafted position of strength. Abundant life is a God-crafted position of strength or a mindset that has tremendous bearing on the quality of my physical life here on earth. Abundant life is a God-crafted position of strength or a God-crafted mindset that has tremendous bearing on my physical life here on earth. And we need to switch our thinking to operate from this position of strength. Because at the end of the day, life more abundant is the very nature of Christ and he has given it to us. Life more abundant is the very nature of Christ. And he's saying, I have come to give you life and life more abundant. It's out of his very nature that he's giving us. Everything that is good that we possess are things that are in Jesus that have been broken like we break bread and it has been given to us. Any questions, folks? Any questions? Yeah, if we don't have a mindset of uh, life more abundant, if that is not how we think, then what will happen is we will be continuously looking for abundance in our lives, in in physical, in relational, in financial. We'll be looking for abundance. and we'll be chasing after it instead of knowing that life more abundant is something that is a position of strength that has been established in me because Christ has already invited and placed me in it. That's a beautiful thing. As we go further, you'll see that abundant life is satisfied with um, what is given to you at a present moment and ca- can take you even through lack, but you always live in a place of favor and abundance follows you. No, no. It, it's a contentment. Abundance. Abundant life always is content. Paul. Paul lived an abundant life. Paul said, "I know what it is to be in lack." And I know what it is to be in plenty. Jesus was always content. When he needed uh, m- food, there was food. When the- he needed money, there was money. He was always content. So it is. It is. Y- yeah. And uh, when I say low sights and high sights, uh, you always hitch your wagon to the star that God tells you to hitch hit it to. You don't. You don't. You don't become ambitious and presumptuous because the Bible says, "A man said he will build a barn, and he will fill it. Oh, fool!" The Bible calls him. Another man said, I will go to this city and that city. And he says, do not say that you're saying something evil. You should say, if it is the will of God. So then, find out the will of God and hit your wagon to the correct star. Now, I may have $200 in my bank account today, and I'm content with that. And tomorrow, I may have 200000 and I'll be content with that. And I, the thing is to be satisfied giving away the two hundred and giving away the 200000 And it is possible. It is possible. So abundant life is not about being rich because that somehow the word conjures the image of being rich. Abundant life is a position of strength and a mindset that this is what you are called to live in. And when you begin to live there, you will find something that it doesn't matter whether you're a Christian in India or Africa or in Monaco you will find that it's following after your heels. You never have to go chasing it. It comes after you. Yeah. 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 I also have no. Yeah. No, I know that there is more to my life than what I'm doing right now and uh, I live in the satisfied place of rest that it shall all come to pass because my pursuit is this person called Christ. And as long as I'm running after him, things that he has planned for me will follow after me. Uh, the, yeah, seek the reign of God in your life and it will come at the right time. Right time, right time. So once you you're living in abundance? <laughs> yes, in a way. Once you... Yeah, yeah, and it's always behind you. You're never running after it. It's always behind you. These things shall follow after you. So uh, you can be dissatisfied with a situation. And if you're dissatisfied, you can always go and tell God, you know, Father, I'm kind of dissatisfied with this. And uh, just want you to know that. But I know that my times are in your hands. And now that I've told you I'm dissatisfied with this, uh, just so you know, Um, I'm going to keep running after you and everything that I have will come. So when I read the prophetic words on my life I I know there is so much more to do but I do not know when it will happen, how it will happen, where it will happen. All I know is that as long as I keep running, it will all happen because even what has happened thus far is just ridiculous. Yeah, that's another point. Sometimes God puts uh, uh, healthy dissatisfaction in your life with certain things it's, it's like the preceding, preceding word of god and yet it, it's a continuous yeah to, to walk in the yeah because i cannot operate by something that god told me here okay. i'm always operating by some what god tells me here for instance let me give you an exa- um, good example of um, dissatisfaction um, uh, one of the things i found when no, I won't mention <laughs> One of the things I found was no no, no, no. <laughs> one of the things I f- found was that when Alex came from Bahrain, I found that many of the things that were happening in the group of, uh, group in Bahrain were um, uh, were not w- what we are learning right now. Uh, and one of the reasons I'm going to Bahrain is because I need to uh, correct some of the things that have crept into, the group that do not correlate with what we are at present learning from the Lord. And there's a dissatisfaction in me. Now, the best thing to do is to leave that group alone because it's sometimes larger than our group. And um, uh, the thing would be, let it grow. No, 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 no. There's a sense of dissatisfaction. And so over the last one week, I'm saying, I'm going to burn in, you've got to tell me how to fix it. I'm going to run after you. I'm not going to spend a night fasting to find out what you want. I know that before I land in Bahrain, you will put in my heart whatever I need to do to do the right surgery so that it comes out right. You need to run like that. If you're dissatisfied with um, where you're at right now, you make it known to God and then you run after Him and it just happens. Because we always operate from a place of rest. That's the beauty of it. More and more I'm convinced of the reality that God is not a phone booth and therefore I do not have to go into a phone booth, drop a 25 cent coin, pick up the dial and say, this is my problem, what's the answer? More and more I'm finding out that we live in this palatial mansion called I am what I am. And because we live there, everything we say can come out from his presence. Where we never get it wrong. This is ridiculous to say it, But we can come to a place where we never get the counsel of God wrong. We can get we can have incomplete counsels, but we won't get it wrong. This is wonderful. Any questions other than what James asked? Switch out. Say that Sometimes when you are dissatisfied with something, it's because of your thinking, but God will show you something more in that same position for you to do. S- say that again. Sometimes when you're dissatisfied in a certain position and you complain about it, it's because of our understanding, which is very low. Uh-huh. But when, then God showed you something more in the more. same place where you could do more. Do more. Yeah, yep. easily. Easily. Sometimes dissatisfaction is so that you move on to a new place, folks. Yeah. Sometimes dissatisfaction is so that you move on to the next place. One day I was very satisfied working at the church I was working at before I um, left that church. And then one day I was very dissatisfied. And it was not because anyone did me harm. In fact, they were being even nicer than usual. But I was dissatisfied and I knew that the time had come to cut connections. Sometimes dissatisfaction is so that you move location. Unfortunately, our loyalty gets in the way and becomes a hindrance. Loyalty can be a hindrance to godly dissatisfaction. Loyalty to whatever you uh, um, may be under is now holding you back from moving on. Yeah, sometimes it's loyalty to comforts. Sometimes there's loyalty to the degree of significance you may have at a place that will be lost when you go to a new place. Different things. Okay. Abundance, uh, moving on to the next section. Abundance is a finished work of God's favor. Abundance is a finished work of God's favor. Folks, abundance or the life more abundant is the outcome of the sheer favor of God. Life more abundant is the outcome of the sheer favor of God. It's not based on anything but God saying, Jacob, I just love showing you my favor. You're my favorite boy. And so out of that comes life more abundant. And the word favor, I know we've gone over this before, but I want you to understand that the word favor um, is, is His graciousness, and kindness to you and his pleasure and delight in you. Favor is God's graciousness and kindness to you and it's his pleasure and delight in you. That's what favor is. and it encircles you like a shield the bible says and it covers you like a cloud full of rain that's how favor works and if you want to walk in it all you have to do is keep walking in uh, be, uh, keep walking in hearing i mean uh, moses said how shall i continue walking in your favor if you do not show me your ways show me your ways so that i may continue walking in your favor simple so Every morning uh, I, I'm aware of this, I wake up and I say, to the Father, you're going to be so gracious to me today. You're going to be so full of kindness to me today. Your pleasure is on me today and you are delighted with me. Now, show me your ways today so that I may walk in them, so that I may continue to walk in these things that are so awesome that you're pouring upon me. Because you're covering me with a cloud of it and you're encircling me with a shield of it. So here I come, show me your ways. And then as you walk in it, you continuously walk in favor. This is how it works. And abundant life, life more abundant, comes out of the sheer favor of God upon your life. Joseph had this happening to him. His father had 12 sons, and he decides, hmm, I'm going to get a coat of many colors, and I'm going to put it on Joseph. And in those days, um, the more colors you had in a coat, uh, the more uh, it, it declared your preciousness or your specialness. The Bible talks about two or three instances where it talks about princesses and brides being dressed up like in a multicolored quilt kind of a thing, which wouldn't perhaps be as fashionable today. Uh, But in those days, a robe of many colors was a declaration of your specialness. And Joseph walked in this. He walked in the favor of his father. He used to wear it always. Even when he would go to check up on his brothers miles away, instead of wearing uh, jeans and army boots, he would still wear that robe. Which is what got him into trouble. But he, the Bible says, his brothers saw him at a distance and they recognized the many colored robe. The guy used to wear it. We got to begin to wear this mindset of life more abundant, folks. We got to wear it over every area of our lives. Because it will change the way we walk. It will change the way we think. And finally it will affect our physical, emotional, relational Financial realms of life, <laughs> and it was not just that Joseph wore the robe, man. He, 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 had favor following him everywhere. When, if you notice Joseph's life, there's three more left. Usually, you stop at seven. Okay, that Well, she sneezes in sevens, so she only made four. So I was just saying he has got three more left. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I mean, in Genesis 37, verse 3, you see a robe of many colors, and you can check on that later. But see, the beautiful thing is, and this is where we go back to that whole question of uh, does abundant life mean tons and tons of stuff? No, no, no. Uh, Joseph had favor upon him, and abundant life followed him at his heels, even when he was betrayed by his brothers, even when he was uh, working for Potiphar, even when he was thrown in prison, even when he was in the palace. Wherever he went, regardless of the condition that he found himself in, he found abundant life and favor at his heels. When he was uh, sold by his brother, I mean, and Joseph's life parallels Jesus and if. Jesus' life should parallel mine, or my life should parallel Jesus'. Jesus was betrayed by his brothers. Jesus was um, accused falsely by uh, Potiphar. Jesus was uh, thrown into prison, in a sense of speaking. And Jesus was uh, restored to his rightful position, just as Joseph. And my life is the same. And Jesus had the Father's delight upon him, and he was the giver of life more abundant. He lived it. And it's the same with us folks. Abundant life is something I wear. So in the end when Joseph stood before Pharaoh, even though he was dressed in Egyptian attire, I'm telling you, the guy still could feel the softness of the many colored robe on his skin because he had worn it all his life. He knew favor and abundant life. When he goes to Potiphar, Potiphar appoints him the head of his household because Joseph prospered in anything he touched. When he went to prison, they put him in charge of the king's prisoners because he was like someone in charge of the prison. When he went to the palace, Pharaoh made him second to none except himself. In everything he did, it would follow him. It's a mindset. It's a way of thinking. And in fact, abundant life is tested by unfavorable seasons in your life. And it's when that test comes, when unfavorable seasons come, that's when your mindset will be tested. It will either make you or break you. Either you will settle for life or you will say, I know that the season is unfavorable, but I'm already wearing the many-colored robe, and I know that this season shall pass, and I will always walk with abundance following me because I will always enter into the finished work called the life more abundant. Unseized, um, um Unfavorable seasons tests your mindsets, folks. That's when your mindset is proved. Unfavorable seasons, it doesn't matter what area we are talking about, unfavorable seasons tests your mindset. It tests your mindset. It shows you, uh, it doesn't really prove your mettle. Unfavorable seasons proves your thinking. That's what it proves. It It shows you and it shows the rest of the world and it shows God what you actually think what I actually think go ahead why did Joseph have favor and not his brothers uh, um, no it, uh, yes but even more than that um Yeah, I would add more to those answers. Just um, remind me of the question again, because um, in addition to those answers, I'm sure uh, there's something else also that will show why Joseph was favored. Uh, As for uh, why Jacob was favored over Esau, simply because God said, uh, Jacob have I loved Uh, It's not that when he says, Jacob, have I loved and Esau, have I hated, it doesn't mean I hate the guy. He's saying that I have chosen Jacob over Esau for no particular um, merit of his, but I have chosen that because I have seen ahead and I have declared. Persons, yeah. But uh, the beautiful thing about God uh, declaring a selection is God looks down the tunnel of time And he sees how Ryan will be and he sees how Jacob will be. And he says in advance that Ryan have I chosen. It's not because uh, I am any less because, like you said, God says I'm no respecter of persons. It's because God sees what all the decisions Ryan is going to make for the rest of his life. And God sees that here is a man who I can trust. And so he declares it before Ryan is born. We live in time and so we look at it and we think, aha, that's so unfair. But God is speaking from a position of all knowing. So God knew that Esau will marry the Canaanite women. God knew Esau would be a a depraved man. That he would be a profane man. God already knew it. While God knew that Jacob would not be that way. So, that's how it works. In fact, when it comes to Joseph's sons, a strange thing happens. Joseph brings his two sons. One's name is Ephraim and one's name is Manasseh. And uh, um, he brings them to Jacob and he puts the older one at Jacob's right hand. And Jacob switches his hands. (laughs) Because instead of blessing Manasseh, he blesses Ephraim. And uh, Joseph says, sorry, Dad, you're kind of getting blind. This one's the right one. He says, no. And he blesses. Because God prophetically tells Jacob, no, 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 no. I want you to give the older sons blessing too. Ephraim and not a Manasseh. So God in his foreknowledge knows things he that we don't. But he, knows. he knows, yeah. He doesn't determine. But he already knows and so he speaks from the future. Go ahead. Like like God God, is, yeah. V- okay. God hardened Pharaoh's heart. So how does that work? Uh, again, um, when um, when you read the first five books of the Bible, the way um, the Hebrew writers wrote it, it would uh, they would give... Everything that would happen, they knew God was aware of. So sometimes when they would write, it would come, off, come, come across as if God was doing things. Um, for instance, uh, we've talked about this before. Uh, it would appear that God sent destroying angels, God sent plagues, God sent this, God sent that. And uh, when it come to, came to hardening Pharaoh's heart, God again knew in his foreknowledge that Pharaoh would ten times balk his um, intent to free Israel. And so, whenever Moses, whenever God speaks to Moses, he says to Moses, Moses, you go and do this, but I am saying to you that Pharaoh will not release you, for I have hardened his heart. When he says, I have hardened his heart, he's speaking out of his foreknowledge, in knowing that this man is not going to, but I'm going to use it to my glory. Every time he negates it, I will show something else that will eventually cause the freedom to happen. It does, however, apply that every time I resist God, I begin to get bolder in my resistance of God and further away from him. But God never will deliberately force anyone not to have the free will to choose. And so anything that we see in the Bible that seems to contradict the nature of God, you immediately have to look at Jesus. Anything in the Old Testament that you see about God that seems to contradict love, immediately look at Jesus because Jesus is a visible image of the invisible God. So if the Bible says, and God sent diseases, immediately look at Jesus. Is is Do you see that in Jesus? And if you do not, then do not put it on God, because we are reading a language and it's coming out a certain way. In Psalm 78 or somewhere there, we see that a band of destroying angels was released over Egypt. And they went about causing these plagues and things like that. And suddenly, the scripture itself illuminates scripture. And whenever I'm in doubt of the character of Jehovah in the Old Testament I always look at the visible image of Jehovah who is Christ and immediately I see the actual persona of who he is because there is no separation in terms of God was cruel in the Old Testament and he's nice in the New Testament that would be um, yeah, he'd have a multiple personality and that wouldn't be true what he was with Adam, he was with Israel, he was with Jesus, he, he, Jesus was and he is with us. Um, okay, abundant life is a finished work, folks. Abundant life is a finished work. Second Peter 1.3 says, God has given you all things required for life and godliness. It's a finished work. <laughs> Second Peter one three says everything uh, Elmer that you need for life, even a sport like fishing. And everything you need for godliness, I have already given you. It's a finished work. Life more abundant is a finished work, uh, and so please understand that we don't have to talk him into it. Very often when we um, when we when we Think of abundance when we look for abundance in the things of life. I've noticed how we try to cajole him into it. Oh, God, please, Lord, please, this would, I will give. I mean, I remember when I first came to mm, know the Lord and I needed money, I I, I went and bought a lottery ticket and I uh, said, I'll give you 10%. Then I thought, nah, that won't satisfy him. So finally, we went up to 50%. I said, I'll give you 50% of this if you let me win. I mean, (laughs) I still didn't win, but. But the point is, I went that far, because we almost seem to need to cajole God. When God is saying, Jacob, everything that you require for life more abundant is finished, I'll already provide it to you. There are certain things that you have to do, but it's already taken care of. I mean, let me give you an an example. Kamal and Ann are buying a new house. Okay? They've sold their old one, they're going to buy a new house. Tomorrow, Kamal and Ann will get the title deed for their house. They'll get the title deed. It'll be a piece of paper and she'll have it in her hand. She'll have the title deed in her hand. But she only occupies the house a month from now. But guess what? Tomorrow she can stand and say, I have the house. You know why? Because the title deed of the house is already in her hand. Yet actual occupancy happens a month from now. This is how finished work works. You have the title deed. I have the title deed of life more abundant in every area of my life already because Christ is my title deed. He is the yes and amen to all the promises of God. And life more abundant is a promise of God that is finished and that I live in, that awaits me. So I hold it today. I may get it a month down the road, but I already hold the title deed. This is how it works. Christ is the title deed. It applies to every area, be it financial, be it healing, be it uh, relational um, uh, situations, be it emotional situations, and everything, I hold the title deed. I'm telling you, man, tomorrow when they get the house and they hold that paper, they are actually owners of the house, yet they do not live in it. And yet the people living in the house cannot, after tomorrow, say, this is our house. When the people will come and ask them, oh, this is yours, no, 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 we sold it. We are no longer owners. Why? Because this house is a new owner. But you are living here. No, no, no. But they hold the title deed. The ownership is already done. And then a month from now we meet for Bible study in that house. That's how it works. Christ is the title deed. Settle this in our hearts, folks, because this is what Paul meant when he wrote to the Hebrews, when he said, faith is the substance of things unseen, the title deed of things unseen. It's your present possession, which is why in 1 John 5, 14 and 15, it says, when you ask anything according to my will, know that I hear. And if you know that I hear, then know that it is your present possession. Present possession. Day after tomorrow, if someone comes and asks Kamal and Anand, okay, do you have any assets? They will have to say yes. Today, if someone asks them, do you have any assets? They'll have to say no, because they sold their house. Tomorrow, they'll have to say yes. Show us the house. Oh no, we don't live there. Show us here. This is, a, this is how we need to think, folks. It's a marvelous, marvelous way of living. We're not denying reality but we at, we go by a reality that is um, that, that, that is that exceeds our physical reality. We don't deny it. Yeah. We don't deny it. She can't hold that title deed over their heads and expect the rain not to fall on their heads because Kamal won't be able to hide under that title deed anyways. But, but the But but the point (laughs) is that (coughs) her reality is that the house will only be hers a month from now, but the real thing is that they already have the house. This is how you live. It's a marvelous way to live. Yeah. And yet she won't say when. when. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. 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 We don't always know when you can occupy the house. You have the title deed, but you do not know when you can occupy the house. That is when righteousness, <laughs> peace, and joy kick in. Between the We've talked about this. Between the promise and the provision is where faith works. Faith doesn't work with receiving a promise. Uh, the promise is from God. It's easy to trust that. Faith doesn't work when the provision has come. Faith has to be activated between promise and provision. That's where faith is, works. That's where you say, I will walk in righteousness, peace, and joy because I have the title deed. And a title deed is uh, inviolable, man. You cannot violate it. That's the beauty of it. Questions before we move on? Mm Mm-hmm. Hmm? Yeah, that's one thing that we're not very eager to get immediately. I mean, no no believer says, Aha, rejoice for my name is written in heaven. I want heaven right now. I want heaven right now. No one wants to die and go immediately. That's one place where we supposedly have huge mansions that we do not want to occupy, even though we have the title (laughs) deal. Pardon? Yeah. I mean, we'll talk about mansions and whether there are mansions another time. Huh? Yeah. If you flip your page, we go to Abundant Life and Healing. So now that we've set some ground rules for Abundant Life, and you thought there was no second page, Lorian? <laughs> I don't know whether that smile is a smile or relief or... <laughs> Abundant life and healing. Folks, uh, one of the areas where abundant life or life more abundant should be displayed is in the area of healing of physical bodies. We'll talk about finances uh, maybe next week or when I come back, but today we'll talk about healing because we've dealt with it a lot, so I thought we will deal with that first. Um, Healing is an example of the finished work of abundant life. Healing is an example of the finished work of abundant life. I mean, life more abundant includes healing I mean Jesus t- definitely included that in life more abundant you shall have life and life more abundant did not mean that you shall have life and life more abundant uh, in sickness no he he is a god who is always willing to heal that nature of his is inviolable we cannot define uh, or, or, or we cannot we cannot come against that nature and say it does it's not true because We may not see it enough, but that nature is inviolable. Healing is an example of the finished work of abundant life. It's an overflowing of the vitality of physical life. We said abundant life is about overflow, about surplus. And one of the things that's given to us is an overflow in the area of the vitality of physical life. Please understand that our mortal bodies, because of the sin nature of Adam that has come down through blood, will die. Our mortal bodies will decay. But uh, even as we live in these mortal bodies, we have seen in the Old Testament how men lived Physical lives that were healthy, that w- was free from sickness, and it's a surplus that we can live in. It is a finished work. I want I want us to look at Isaiah fifty three five. I know you've seen this many times. Isaiah fifty three five. Isaiah fifty three five. It's the next page, Dagmar. Dan was so happy there's a second page. (laughs) Isaiah 53 verse 5. It says there, um, you are healed. By By his stripes you are healed. Folks, this is a prophecy in the Old Covenant before Jesus walked the earth. And even before the Son of God was flogged, God is saying you are healed. Hear me again. Even before the Son of God was flogged. Imagine that, eh? Such an irony in those words. The Son of the living God, God Himself. And I'm saying even before the Son of God was flogged. As if, I mean the two don't even fit together, man. Even before the Son of God was flogged on earth, through Isaiah God said, you are healed. Now go to 1 Peter 2. What's 24, twenty-four? First Peter two twenty-four. First Peter two twenty-four. And it says there, by his wounds or by his stripes you. Were healed. So in Isaiah 53 5, even before Jesus, the Lamb of God, was flogged, you are healed. After Jesus, the Lamb of God, was flogged, 1 Peter 2 23 now says, You were healed. It's a finished work. It's something that is done. So every time you and I fall sick, folks, your intent and my intent must be to regain. The rest in the finished work of you were healed. So it's like this. This is your place of rest. It's called you were healed. This is your place of rest. This is where you should be living. You were healed. Now when you or I get sick, what happens is we come out of this place. Our intent then should be to get back and regain this finished work of rest called you were healed. That's that's what every time we are sick, that's what we should attempt to do. And there are mechanisms for doing it, or pathways into it, uh, which we won't go into, but we need to understand that part of life more abundant is this place of rest called you were healed. And every time a sickness comes and you Come out of it, your intent is I want to regain that place of life more abundant, which is you were healed. It's a finished work. Questions before I continue? Any questions? This is a marvelous truth, folks. No, it doesn't. So it, it's like um, uh, it doesn't say you you will fall sick either. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. If but there are people. Uh, I know at lea- I know one person who has lived here for 84 years and has not fallen sick. <coughs> I don't know her personally, but I know about her and I've heard her speak. Who has always lived here. She, uh, oh, 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 it's so beautiful. Uh, Exodus 15, verse 25, 26. Exodus 15. Father, I thank you for the ridiculous of that we can explore. Uh, Exodus 15 25 and 26 Ah, I love this. It says there Let's start at verse um, 22. Exodus 15, verse 22. I'm jumping ahead of what I wanted to say, but that's fine. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the, into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Mara, Mara means bitter, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That is, oh, it's, It explains it there. That's why the place is called Mara. So the people grumbled against Moses saying, what are we to drink? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. And Listen to these words. Then the Lord made a decree and a law for them, and there he tested them. What do you think that means? Then the Lord made a decree at the waters of Marah, and there he tested them. What does that mean? He, he, he established a plumb line there. Every time God declares his character in a name form, he always sets a plumb line for you. Here he declares his name as Yahweh Rapha, the God that heals you. But he set up a plumb line. And what is the plumb line? If you hear my voice and walk in it, I will never charge to your credit any disease, that fell, that fell upon Egypt. He said a plumb line. If you hear my voice and walk in it, I will never charge to your credit, put upon you, any of the diseases that came upon Egypt. And that's how he tested them. What he was saying is, here's a plumb line. You walk in this and prove you can prove me. If you do not walk in this, then I will know that you have not kept your ser- state of the plumb line and therefore this decree and my name which is Yahweh Rafa, the self-existent most holy one who heals you will not be able to be all that he wants to be to you because he cannot operate in, in a place where there is uh, defiance, rebellion, sin. He set up a plumb line. Walking under the cloud. And I'm saying to you it is possible to hear his voice and walk in it and live free of sickness. It does not mean being sinless. It does not mean, mean it, it does not mean being perfect. it does not mean being sinless. It means hearing your hearing his voice and walking in it. That is possible. Yeah, but I'll fall. I'll make mistakes. But that's okay. He knows that Jacob is seeking his voice, hearing, and very, very joyfully, willingly and obediently walking in it. Not just obediently, but willingly. Because my son pursues me. My sheep hear my voice and will not run after anything else. Um, I've found times when I've heard God, but I haven't done everything He wanted me to. No, I heard Him. But I made a mistake. I erred. I have. There have been times when I I've. Yeah, there have been times when I've come here, and the Lord's told me something, and I'll do it to a certain point, and then I think I'm not. I'm not sure whether I should finish it because the moment doesn't seem right, and I may choose not to. I, and later on, when I go home, every time I go home, I'll say, Father, anything you want to talk about today from today's service? And some days he'll say, "Jacob, you could have done it this way." And I'll say, you know what, father, I'm so sorry. Yes, and he doesn't go. So he's showing the willingness, but he's not giving the word that the other guy who says Yeah. See the other guy who said no sorry, other guy who said no was more righteous than the mother. True. we always have to look at God's dealing with us as father and son. And the moment you put Sarah in that place now, and you see that Sarah seeks and runs to hear your voice and loves doing what you want and in hearing and doing between the hearing and doing there was a discrepancy where it didn't come out the way you expected her to you know what you'll do you'll be so thrilled at with the with the pursuit that you will not nitpick and if you nitpick you're a um, you're a provocative father that's my aspect of the relationship my aspect of the relationship you did not that's why yeah but But God will always treat you as Father treats son. And he also knows the maturity of the son. So there may be some sons where he'll give a lot of rope. There may be other sons where he'll say, Jacob, Tino, Jeff, you should have known better. It comes with learning. learning. Yeah. 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 To whom much is given, much is expected. Uh, My sister called me up uh, three hours before she came here. And she was sitting watching a movie with some people and very clearly the Holy Spirit told her to get up and go. And uh, because she had a plate in front of her and she was eating and it would look awkward getting up when uh, everyone else was watching, she continued to watch it. And in the night she had a dream where the Lord told her that it was the wrong thing to do and she called me up and saying, Chikha, I was so sure the Spirit of God was telling me and I didn't. And she told me which movie I was. it was and I said, Reba, you should have. You should have gotten up and gone. So she says, what do I do now? I said, tell the Lord that you heard and that uh, you're sorry And she said I've already done that. I said move on then because he knows your heart and he'll keep talking. As long as you're pursuing him with the intent of obedience God cuts you a lot of slack. But the thing is he knows my heart better than I know my heart folks. I can deceive myself sometimes but I cannot deceive him. So I never need to be afraid of uh, making mistakes because at the end of the day I don't even see myself in flesh i got to count myself in terms of how he sees me. Do not even measure yourself after the flesh. So, sorry. Yeah, contrite heart. A, a, a broken or contrite spirit, he will never turn away. Beautiful, beautiful God he is. If he was, yeah. So, uh, the reason that I read Exodus. So it is possible to live here, okay? The plumb line He's given us. And the thing is, in the Old Testament, the plumb line was about rules. Now the plumb line is about principles because of the life of Christ in me. It's much easier. Then it was hearing God from the external. Now it's hearing God because He lives in me. I know, I know, I know. It is possible to live here. But if, if we step out, then know for sure that you now want to regain this finished work called you were healed. And there are ways to regain it. Which mm, we've gone over many times, so I won't go into ways to regain it, except to say um, two, two approaches to sickness. Since it is a finished work, and this is where we are supposed to live, and a sickness comes upon um, a person. If it's, uh, please, these are not formulas, these are um, strong uh, recommendations if it's if it's uh, a disease that comes from the external or it comes to invade or if it is something demonic that comes to afflict with the disease, then you rebuke it. If it is something that is internal that is because of uh, something within the body being damaged at the source, then you command restoration yeah. When, when when disease is from an external source, when it's an invasive thing that comes from the outside and attacks the body, when it's a demonic uh, spirit of affliction or infirmity that comes from the outside and afflicts the body and causes sickness, then you rebuke it. And we'll talk about what rebuke means. When it is... So that's one area. So for instance, um, um, if you go to Mark... Chapter Mark Chapter Four Mark Four Mark Four Thirty Five Mark Four Thirty Five I'm reading. That day, when the evening came, he said to his disciples, "Let's go mark four thirty five am I in mark four? Okay, I'm looking for Peter's mother-in-law." Mark 2, Mark 1, sorry, Mark 1, verse 29, Mark 1, 29, Mark 1, 29, here's what it says. Um, As soon as they left the synagogue, um, they went with James and John, ah, I know what's happening. Go to Luke 4, Luke 4. Luke 435, Luke 435, Luke 435, and here goes, um, the, first Jesus confronts an evil spirit, now look how he deals with evil spirits, starting at Luke 435, and here goes, Um First, Jesus confronts an evil spirit. Now, look how he deals with evil spirits. Starting at verse 33. In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an evil spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, Ha! What do you want to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. Then the demon threw the man before him, uh, and all that came with him uh, came out and before them all, and came out without enduring it. Then go to verse 38. Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her and he rebuked the fever and it left her. Uh, There are other scriptures as in in Luke 9.42 where sickness was caused by a demon and Jesus rebuked the demon. So Rebuke is one way of dealing with anything that is invasive from the outside where um, sometimes we don't know. So sometimes you can just ask a Lord, Father, what do I need to do? Rebuke, command. So I, I would suggest that when it's an invasive source, then you rebuke it. And rebuke means to forbid, to veto or to uh, disallow. That's what rebuke means, to veto, to disallow, to forbid, to condemn in a sense of speaking. Those are the words that go with rebuke. When I rebuke something, I, I'm condemning it as uh, not right, I'm disallowing it, I'm forbidding it, I'm vetoing it. That's what the word carries in terms of its meaning in Greek. So uh, that's what I'm doing. And um, when, it, when it's something that is internal that is damaged, that uh, is broken down, and uh, that is causing brackish water, bitter water to come from Inside, then command restoration. You saw what happened with Mara. Mara was a stream that they wanted to drink out of, and it was bitter because the source of the spring was bitter. And so, what does Moses do? God tells him, See that dry shrub or tree lying there? Pick it up and throw it into the water, and it shall be healed. And when it's damaged from the inside, command or speak restoration or healing upon it. And if necessary, combine both. In a sense, yes, in Isaiah 53, verse 1 and 2, you see Jesus being described as a tender plant that grew out of dry ground. And if the tree was what healed the bitter waters of Mara, then Jesus was the tender plant or the dry piece that came out of the ground that was instead of being thrown into the water, thrown into the fire so that the bitterness of sickness will be taken care of. So that's the comparison. Isaiah 53 verse 1 says, he was like a tender plant that came out of dry ground and no one would give him a second look. It's because of his wounds that we are healed. We were healed. Yeah, right on, finished work. Right on. Commanding and rebuking are effective only from a place of authority, folks. Commanding and rebuking are effective only from a place of authority. Authority, so I- if I rebuke something or you know, if I command something, it has t- it is only effective if it's from a place of authority. If it's not from a place of authority, let me say to you, it's not effective. And w- how, do, uh, how do you operate out of a place of authority? To be in authority is to have jurisdiction. To be in authority is to have rulership over. To be in authority is to have jurisdiction. To be in authority is to have rulership over. You know, um, last um, Tuesday when we had the Bible study here, we had tons of food left over from from Elmer's birthday. So we had a pack the food and I went and got some um, large um, containers. The ones we had were small. We got some large containers that was in their kitchen. But because I went there even though this building has been given to us, even though this kitchen has been given to us, because I took containers from their church, I did go and ask, uh, tell them that I had taken and I, uh, in a sense, asked them for permission. Because six containers, six styrofoam containers was outside of my jurisdiction, folks. We got to know the scope and place that we operate from. If you do not know that, your authority is basically a bunch of words that mean nothing. And if you and I do not understand that we are seated with Yahweh Rapha at his right-hand side in Christ, above all principalities, above all powers, and above every name that is being named, then you and I can never understand that we have rulership over every sickness and every demon on the face of the earth. This is where authority comes from. If I do not understand the jurisdiction I have, if I am not aware of it, if I am not absolutely confident of it, why will anything go? We rent this place from that church. They used this last night for a women's meeting. But they know that because they have given us the keys and we now are the occupants. And we have signed paper. The pastor called me and asked me. Because he no longer has jurisdiction over the space. He no longer has rulership over the space. So he came and asked me, can I use your place for the women's meeting? Everything operates on authority. The sad thing is we can sit in this church and listen to all these messages and yet perhaps I need to know whether I really understand and I'm really aware and I'm really sure that I am actually seated at the right hand of God, Yahweh Rapha, that I am actually seated in, heavenly, in the heavenlies with Christ and actually have authority over all sickness and all demons always. Because only then can I command? Only then can I rebuke and then will it leave? It's an odd thing. Till then it becomes a bunch of words which is why we have to shout. Because the louder we shout we think the more the authority Begin to wind down. Um, in Exodus 15, 25, God says, I will not put the diseases of Egypt on you. In Exodus 23, 25, he says, I will take away the diseases from your midst. One place he says, I will not put it on you. Another place he says, I will take it away. And how did it how did he accomplish that? He took all the diseases of Egypt and put them on Jesus. And Jesus took them away. As Matthew 8, verse 17. Isaiah 53 verse 5 he carried our infirmities we thought he was a man being stricken for his sin no 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 God put on him God put on him that's a beautiful thing Exodus yeah Matthew 8 17 Matthew 8 17 people say that Isaiah 53 4 and 5 is uh, meant for only spiritual healing. Uh, Matthew eight seventeen says otherwise. I mean, this healing thing is so ridiculous, man. That uh, because it is so illogical, people have to come up with an explanation not to receive it. Matthew eight seventeen, uh, starting at verse verse sixteen. Matthew eight sixteen. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with the word and healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken to the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and carried our diseases. I don't see in verse 16 anything that says that it was spiritual healing. Very clearly indicates that it was physical healing. And it says, so that the prophecy in Isaiah may be fulfilled. Now another argument that people who don't believe in healing will uh, come up with is, it has already been fulfilled, so it's no longer active. (laughs) (laughs) yeah. in which case brother be blessed but what can you say folks we got to let God prove us in uh, hearing his voice and obeying him because then we will be able to prove God (laughs) in walking in healing this as we talk about life more abundant, this church should begin to display life more abundant in different areas. One of the areas that we should uh, start displaying is um, time and time again returning here if we fall sick and then beginning to live here more often than we live outside. And it is possible. It is a finished work and we can begin to learn how to walk in it. it does not matter how long you or I may have had a um, ailment or a sickness, we can we can hear and walk in obedience and begin to live there. Because we need to display life more abundant as a people. We need to. Because otherwise this is just theory, right? Yeah. We have to have a working model. Go ahead. Uh, In the sense, sometimes I do not know enough about a disease to know whether it's external or internal. So I just have to trust the Lord to just let me know what, when to rebuke and when to command. That's in about two and a half minutes. Okay. Yeah. Any other questions? If I don't do it in two and a half minutes, she'll ask another question. So quickly, if you have a question. That was my first of yeah, you've been pretty good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> explain it more well so many times we'll get upset we'll wonder what's happening oh, oh okay okay stay in the place of rest yeah yeah and recognizing that it's a cease that comes the Going back to Anne's house, go ahead, feel free to yawn. You had to suddenly cut down a yawn, because I looked at her just when she was beginning to yawn. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) Anne. (laughs) So it will be known around the world that you yawned. (laughs) Okay, uh, she's tired. Uh, um, Let's take her house, for instance. She will have the title deed tomorrow. Now, the house is hers, but let's uh, assume a squatter came and uh, said, oh, I'm going to stay in this house because it's been sold, no one's come to take it and I'm going to stay here. Now, uh, she can rebuke the squatter with, with the power of the law of Canada behind her. And the squatter will have to leave. But let's assume she didn't know her rights. Then she can go into a lengthy court battle, which will stretch for 20 years while he still lives there, f- rent-free. But because she knows her rights, she can rebuke the squatter it's like that the title deed she already possesses we possess the title deed called you were healed because we possess Christ and Christ possesses us confounding cancer so let's talk about cancer because um, some of you got that email with regard to Joan's uh, sister struggling with cancer and uh, my mum's sister in Bahrain has uh, cancer, we hear of so many different situations. Ranita and Maurice's, uh, I think Maurice's brother or someone has cancer. So, brother in law, yeah, has cancer. So, um, confounding cancer, how do we go about that? Folks, uh, he, some of the things about, see, I'm no medical expert or doctor, so I don't claim a, a, any kind of uh, medical understanding, but I know a few things that we, n- uh, it's common knowledge about cancer cells. One, These uh, cells, um, there's a change in their DNA. There's a change in their DNA, and they deviate from their original design. That's one thing that happens. Secondly, they don't keep boundaries. They don't keep boundaries that each cell is supposed to keep the way God has uh, intended. They break order, and they become invasive. This you can get uh, just by uh, checking on Wikipedia, so it's not some greatly informed medical uh, diagnosis that I'm making here. They chaotically multiply. and they congregate together or clump together, congregate together they refuse to follow natural life death cycles meaning every cell is supposed to die after a certain time, thousands of cells die a day but these cells refuse to follow natural life and death cycles life and death cycles Uh, they refuse to associate with immune or protector mechanisms. I'll explain meaning these cells uh, uh, when cells are da- when cells get damaged there are other systems and uh, uh, systems in the body that can come and either immunize or protect from further damage but these cells refuse that and finally they spread through the blood or lymph systems the blood or lymph systems this is this is the nature of cancerous cells doesn't matter what kind of cancer it is this is the nature of cancerous cells okay so They refuse to associate with immune or protector mechanisms in the body, meaning, like for instance, when I have a wound, white blood cells immediately congregate so that anything that is damaged is, uh, um, anything that's um, festering is taken care of. These cells somehow are able to dissociate or refuse to connect with or allow immune or protector mechanisms to come in, uh, try, try to change things. So These are the ways these cells uh, operate. They change in their DNA, so they deviate from their original mandate or original design. They don't keep boundaries, they break order, and they become invasive. They chaotically multiply and congregate together. In fact, that should come before this, and then they don't keep boundaries, and they just um, break order and become invasive. They refuse to follow natural life death cycles. so instead of cells dying in a certain period, they live longer. They refuse to associate with immune protective mechanisms, and they spread through the blood of the limb system. Um, what do you see common in this? Yeah. Yeah. What do you see common in this? What did you say? Yeah. And um, it's a common theme in everything about cancerous cells. Uh, what I'm saying is, what do you see common in these? And uh, I agree with Anne. Uh, what you see common in these is cells that had a particular uh, design that they were supposed to follow that have now broken bounds are no longer restrained and are in li- literally rebelling within the body. And then uh, things begin to happen. And um, now, uh, I again, there are no formulas, and you cannot use this generically across the board without uh, having the input of the Lord in each situation. But I would say that uh, very often... Uh, um, some form of breaking of restraint or uh, coming against authority m- must be explored in case that exists when it comes to cancer. Okay, so for instance, um, it does not always have to be. I'm just saying it is a place that you should likely explore. And one of the things we should do when we um, de- when you help a cancer patient through something like this is give them time to explore it. One of the mistakes we make is we